This is the Food About Town podcast. My name is Chris Lindstrom and I'm your host. This episode is brought to you by the Food About Town studio. If you're looking to record your own podcast or do voiceover work, contact me at foodabouttown at gmail.com or come find me on social media. Already the host of an upcoming podcast. Reach out to see if my setup will work for you. This week on episode 41 of the podcast, we continue our conversation with Michael Warren Thomas from saverlife.com and his radio shows on WYSL 92.1 FM and 1040 AM here in Rochester. Uh, we start off with a taste test of Cabernet Franc wines from the Finger Lakes and Niagara region. We tried one from each area. We go into a little bit of the political side where we talk about the gas storage issue on Seneca Lake. Uh, we touch on solar in the Finger Lakes, and we finish off mostly with a conversation on the possibility of the expansion of the Seneca Falls landfills um, called Seneca Meadows, which sounds fantastic, but might be the site of a massive amount of garbage coming in from New York City, which was definitely concerning because I hadn't really heard about that before. Um, I hope you enjoy this completion of this conversation with Michael, and if you do, reach out to him on Facebook. Uh, you can search for Michael Warren Thomas or check him out on the radio. Thanks for tuning in. and melodies change and change and swipe but they still stay the same the songs that we sung when the dark days come are the songs that we sung when we chase them away if i ever found a pot of gold i'd buy bottles untold of the nectar of the vines cause i'm gonna die with a twinkle in my eye Cause I sang songs, spun stories Love, laughed and drank wine Tomorrow is another day The cats are out to play, to play That old rusty spaceship wants to sail Into the Milky Way again On a river of red, red Before we before we go into the the more political side of things when it comes to the Finger Lakes, we've got a Finger Lakes wine here and a Niagara region wine, both uh, Cabernet Franc. We've got one from uh, this is the one you brought. Which one's that, Doctor Frank? Which obviously one of the better known one of the better known uh, wineries in the Finger Lakes area, and that's on which which lake? I'm again I'm woefully uninformed. No, it's uh, Cuca Lake, okay. uh, just above Hammondsport, and uh, kind of amazingly, given half the wineries in the Finger Lakes are on Seneca Lake, there were no wineries, virtually none, there was one actually before Prohibition, but virtually none on Seneca Lake till the 19, mid-70s. Really? Cuca Lake and, and where Dr. <laughs> Frank's located, is that's the, uh, the home of a huge wine industry before Prohibition. So Gold Seal, Urbana, and uh, Pleasant Valley, Taylor, uh, all Great Western, all located down there. Well, thanks for bringing it over. So one of the reasons I brought... Cheers. Cheers. Uh, one of the reasons I brought... Uh, let's see. Let's forget it. I'm not sure red. if that picked up, but so be it. There you go. There it is. 
One of the reasons that I brought a dry red is because the Finger Lakes, up until recently, hasn't really uh, gotten much respect for dry reds, and uh, you saw I saw that on on wine lists. Virtually none of the of the 120 restaurants in the Metro Rochester had a Finger Lakes red by the glass. It was like two out of 120, and and things have changed quickly. The, the quality of reds have gone up quickly in the Finger Lakes. There already were a bunch like Shale Stone, mm-hmm. which actually has only made reds since 1995. Only really? a dry red. Wow. That's all they've ever done. That's great. Uh, so dry reds have been around, but they're finally starting to get some acclaim and 90-point scores. And you know, a few years ago, people would have bet the Finger Lakes would never get a 90-point score ever for a dry red. Impossible. And now it is. Now, now they have. Yeah, because this one, it's very palatable. It's it's not amazingly challenging, but it's it's got it's got good fruit. It's you know a little bit complex on the end. I, I'm I'm not great at the at the words around wine. Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> uh, it's it's 13 percent alcohol, which is. Uh, it's quite a bit lower than a lot of the California and Australian reds. Yeah. So it's it's a different st- style. If if you love Shiraz from Australia, or or a really high alcohol Cabernet from California, warm climate wines, then you'll be disappointed in this because it's a, it's a more European style, and uh, Cabernet Franc is is used a lot in France. Uh, it's a fantastic grape, and it. It ripens a little better here in the Finger Lakes. It's it's a little better for cool climates than Cab Sauvignon and, and and maybe even Merlot. So it's a great grape for the Finger Lakes, and it's it's probably the preeminent red, dry red grape in the Finger Lakes. Right. Well, and on the other side, we've got a Cabernet Franc from uh, the fine gentleman over at uh, Leonard Oaks Winery. So same grape, or similar grape, I imagine. Uh, what what year is that? I forget that's a 2012 or 2013. Uh, yeah, they're both 2012. Okay. Nope, 2013 from Dr. Frank. So, same grape, different region, and do a taste test on this one. Yeah, I, I find them pretty similar. I, I have to say, I don't have the... I'm, I'm not a master sommelier because I don't have the palate to really pick out fine differences, but... Uh, it's. I think that a lot of people tasting the two of these probably couldn't tell they're from different regions. They might say that they're both from the Finger Lakes or both from uh, from Western New York. Mm. Um, you know, the Leonard Oaks is maybe a little lighter in color. Uh, it still has a ton of flavor, and so, Leonard Oaks is in Medina, so it's you know it's a uh, forty five minutes west of Rochester. Beautiful drive too. It is a lot of cobblestones out that way. <clears throat> it is a, a Pretty area to go out and visit, and actually the grapes out there, uh, and Arrowhead Spring Cellars is one that I visited. Uh, tend to get riper than they do in the Finger Lakes, mm. so they have more Syrah and they have somewhat higher alcohol contents on those those red grapes. And uh, as you head closer to the Niagara River and Arrowhead Spring Cellars, but Leonard Oaks makes a, a lot of different wines. I think you said you also had a Vignoles. Yeah, um, they do a Meritage. They have they do steampunk hard cider, which is Pretty selling fantastic, in, uh, yeah. selling in New York City quite a bit. 
Um, so it's uh, that area, Western New York, Niagara, U.S. area is the, the fastest growing wine region in New York State. I think they doubled the wineries in the last like five years, six years. Hmm. Um, and they've been growing quickly. So yeah, w- one of the things to remember is that when you see a, a winery, you don't recognize the label. Like Leonard Oaks, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a fairly new winery and, and not a well-known wine region yet. Uh, you should still try them. And I think often people will be surprised. If you're driving somewhere and you see a sign for a winery, just because you don't recognize it, stop and, and taste. You know, and they have spit buckets because they realize <laughs> not everyone likes all their wines. Yeah. And some people are driving and they want to spit it out. And you're not going to hurt anyone's feelings if you don't like the wine, as no. long as you don't say, you know, this is crappy wine, but <laughs> they, they may not like that. But well, um, I think the amazing thing is, you know, and that it's the drastic difference between here and the, the, you know, the overdeveloped, more more lauded wine regions. You go to California and you try to do a tasting in, you know, the Napa Valley or Sonoma, a tasting for. You know, multiple wines is twenty, thirty, forty dollars. You can go to any winery in upstate New York, whether it's Finger Lakes or Niagara, and you can do a tasting for four or five dollars and get, you know, wide selection, get four or five different wines for that price. And it's astounding what a value it is just going to the winery and experiencing it. And some wineries will will take that tasting fee off a bottle if you buy a bottle yeah. or, or half that tasting fee. So um yeah, it is a bargain. Now, Dr. Frank's vines, uh, they tend to have the, some of the oldest vines in the in New York State because Dr. Frank was the one who really showed the East Coast how to grow vinifera vines. Hmm. Uh, and there's a, a wonderful new biography of him out that came out last summer by Tom Russ that tells his story of, of his time in Ukraine before coming to here in the 1950s. And he you know, basically kept an agricultural experiment station focusing on grapes and wine going through two world wars in the Ukraine before moving here. That's amazing. And the it, it's someday there'll be a movie about it. It's it's uh the research Tom did was just fabulous. It's a fairly small book, I don't know, twenty to twenty five bucks. And yeah, you should be drinking a bottle of his wine of their <laughs> wine while you're while you're reading it. Yeah. But it's it's hard to believe what he went through to get here and then to to really up you know he he started his winery in 1962 and he was still fighting Cornell in 1980s to convince Cornell that vinifera was going to succeed here so i mean from a, from a wine neophyte what explain the difference between a vinifera you know a grapevine and a generic or whatever what the difference is so vinifera tend to be uh, from Europe. Uh, they tend to be the grapes that are renowned in the world for making wine, for making the best quality wine. So uh, those are things like Riesling and Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, and there's there's lots and lots of them. But uh, you know, they... they often need milder climates and uh, one of the reasons that they they ran into problems in bringing those over here was that there was this uh, plant louse that 
spread phylloxera and killed the vines when they came here. Hmm. So uh, that's why Thomas Jefferson could never get them to grow. Uh, and, and there's some fascinating stories about this uh, phylloxera going and destroying the vines of Europe, too. Uh, it's gone both ways. But but Dr. Frank worked in the Ukraine and, and realized that the same stone fruits were growing in the Ukraine that were growing in the Finger Lakes and that the climate was probably right. It's just... I would imagine it sounds about right, yeah. It's, it's just that uh, they needed to graft the vines onto American rootstock that could, uh, you know, were uh, resistant to phylloxera. Huh. And so... So they have some very old vines, and you know, the, if you taste the Dr. Frank and you, uh, you know, sort of let it just rest in your mouth and uh, sort of the finish of it, it's uh, it's a it's a really rich wine, and uh, and having older grapes is is probably one reason for for a richness of wine. There's deeper roots. Uh, they also are tend to, older vines tend to produce less, so mm. that tends to concentrate quality. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 an amazing story. He was one of the first fifty-two inductees in the Wine Spectator Hall of Fame from the world. Really, this Ukrainian guy uh, who uh, amazingly came to this country didn't speak English, but he spoke five languages fluently. <laughs> he had a doctorate. He had a doctorate in enology. Really, and and the struggles he had to get established here are just—that's uh, amazing. It's a cool story. That's fascinating, uh, and it makes you—it makes you appreciate the Finger Lakes that much more for the uh, the history that's here. Mm. So, I do want to get into what has been a um, contentious topic, and we we talked about it a little bit already is the natural gas storage on Seneca Lake. Um, Do you have a few hours? <laughs> I, I'm intrigued. I, kn- I know you're passionate about it, and I've read a lot from you on uh, social media about it. Um, and while we're on the topic, where can people find you on social media? If you have a public, I don't know if you have a public uh, area on social media. Yeah, well, you just search Michael Warren Thomas. You'll find my public, private, whatever page. Sure. Uh, I'm... I'm Still figuring out how I want to <laughs> handle that. How you want to do the social media? I need advice from from uh, from uh, millennials like you. Uh, that's fine. Uh, I'm I'm happy to help. Yeah. Um, so it's you just search Michael Warren Thomas and you'll uh, uh, you'll run into me there. You you will run into a lot of posts related to gas storage when you do. Absolutely. So you you've been on top of this from when it when it popped. Uh, what what was the first time this popped on on the on the local radar? Well, I haven't been on top of it since it it really uh, started. Um, luckily, Yvonne Taylor and Joseph Campbell from Gas Free Seneca happened to be at a town meeting where this was discussed and and realized the potential threat to the Finger Lakes and started GasFreeSeneca.com. You can you can read about that. It's probably five or six years ago that they launched this. Really, five or six years ago? Yeah, it's it's. It's been going on a long time. This fight, and uh, and I came into it kind of late, uh, and it, it was ironically, I, I had known about the purchase Paul and Hobbs and Johannes Selbach had made down near Watkins Glen, 
which I think will be looked on as the tipping point for the Finger Lakes in the future, when you know s- several of the best known winemakers in the world purchased vineyards, and uh, but they didn't want to do an interview about it because they they wanted to keep it quiet for a while and and just uh, they're traveling, they weren't here very much. Right, they're doing their thing, you know. So finally, January nineteenth, two thousand thirteen. They're both here. They say, "All right, we'll do the interview. We'll announce our project." And and I, you know, I've been waiting. They purchased it in June. This is, you know, seven months later. Like, yeah, finally we can we can announce this. Chomping at the bit, yeah, yeah. And what a what a cool thing for the Finger Lakes. And after that broadcast, uh, Yvonne from uh, from Gasfree Seneca emailed me and said. You know, right across the lake from their vineyard is the salt plant. So, ironically, Paul had visited the Finger Lakes a number of times. His brothers had been here. He's got eight brothers, uh, big family. Yeah. And they'd, they'd gone to Cuca Lake. They'd gone to Cayuga Lake. They looked at Canandaigua Lake. They'd driven up and down Seneca Lake. And the one spot that they really saw as the the just the the best spot for a vineyard was near Watkins Glen. It's right near, at basically at the juncture of 79 and 414, which is a, a mo- half a mile above Watkins Glen on the east side. And, and it is directly across the lake from the, the salt caverns, which is where this Texas company is storing a s- relatively small amount of gas now and wants to expand drastically the amount of storage. And so... I'm on this huge high of being able to finally broadcast this interview, Ryan, and and actually I've been I've been working to help recruit Paul to to start this project for four years prior to this announcement uh, with his brother uh, David, uh, who I'd known for 20 years, and it's a, a funny side story, uh, maybe embarrassing. <laughs> Um, I'd known David for for 20 years in the landscape design business because he's a landscape architect, and um, I was at this wine dinner at the Grill at Strathallen. Actually, it was the the Tadich Grill at the time, uh, where, where uh, Panavino is now. Okay. And uh, there was this wine dinner, big big time wine dinner, big time California winemaker, and 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 I saw David there. It's like David, yeah, I'm surprised to see you. I haven't seen you at other wine dinners. And he's like, yeah, you know, Hobbs, David Hobbs, that's my brother, Paul Hobbs. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe it. His, his brother is one of the best-known winemakers in the world. And I, I didn't, I mean, it's not like Thomas. I mean, Hobbs is a little more unusual name. Yeah. <laughs> I never connected it. <laughs> so That's great. Anyway, uh, David and I have been trying to recruit Paul to come here and, and make wine in the Finger Lakes. Uh, and, and probably because I I, I I think the Finger Lakes needs a celebrity winemaker. Uh, they need someone who who can uh, get the attention of the world. And as good as the wines are here, as great as the wines are here, and as nice as the winemakers are, and as 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 highly qualified as they are here, a celebrity winemaker can do things that that they can't. Um, you know, and Paul's wines are on the best wine lists in the world, in Moscow and London and Tokyo. You know, he is a true celebrity winemaker. And the other side of it was, 
at some point, international investments come into the Finger Lakes. Do we want it to be bulk wine, or do we want it to be fine wines? Um, and I really thought Chateau Saint Michel would come here and buy the Widmer facility, and and produce, you know, average, low cost Riesling mm-hmm. at this huge facility, and maybe bottle their West Coast some of their stuff here for distribution on the East Coast. Uh, luckily, that didn't happen. Hazlitt Hazlitt bought the Widmer facility, but you know, at some point. Some bulk wine producer is going to come here and because land's cheap and they can make pretty good wine here, right? Uh, and you know, do we want that to be first? And and it, it really was important to me that we we need to recruit fine wine. And uh, luckily, it happened. Yeah, uh, a, si- a signature winemaker is kind of what you're you were aiming for. Yeah, I mean, I I can't say that this is panned out yet, but I think it will. That you know, just the fact that he announces, and I'm so excited about this. You know, in January 19, 2013, the interview is still up on my website. Um, you know, the the value of every winery in the Finger Lakes goes up by something. You know, is it 10 percent? Is it 20 percent? You can argue about how much, but there are very few other things you can do. That raised the value of, of virtually every winery. I'm not sure the value of Pompous Ass went up ten or twenty percent because <laughs> a name like that, it's yeah. it's tough. But it is a little bit difficult. But what else raises the value of, of virtually every winery by tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in one fell swoop? It's a celebrity winemaker that shines a spotlight that no one else can on, on the region. And and again, they were brought here with no incentives by the government. They just uh, decided this this would be a cool place to make wine. And by the way, Paul's daughter is at Cornell. She's oh, a junior at Cornell in, which of course, is winemaking. Yeah, and um, it's, it's an amazing resource we have right here in the region, too. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, four years of recruiting, seven months of waiting to announce a project I knew was done. And and uh, like minutes, minutes after airing that interview, and you know what it's like. You're excited about an interview. You say, Absolutely. I love this interview. I can't wait for it to air. And then minutes later, I hear it's likely gas storage is going to go ahead. And at, at that point, I'd heard about it, but and I'd seen no LPG signs along the road. Mm. But I, I really thought fracking was the big... Uh, uh, the, the thing more likely to happen and, and ruin the Finger Lakes, and I didn't know much about gas storage. Um, so suffice it to say, I know a lot about gas storage right now. And so, bo- so boil down the issue for people. I mean, that the the contrast you just brought up is is striking. You know that the optimism, the 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 raise in value of land, and the potential in one fell swoop to remove the value again to you know, damage a, you know, a burgeoning resource for all of upstate New York and all of New York State. Um, explain the issue in a, you know, in a semi-succinct manner. <laughs> I'll keep it under an hour. The, <laughs> the issue is that we have this great example going on in California right now of this methane leak in Aliso Canyon, Porter Ranch, which is the, the, the biggest emitter of methane in the state of California right now. This is a devastating spill 
it's on the scale of of BP horizon in the Gulf. It's just you can't see it. Right. It's not coating the beaches, but it's ruining our atmosphere. It hmm. is. It's going to accelerate climate change, and they can't stop it for months. They say it's going to be stop it. No, it's been going on since October. They say it's going to take a couple more months to stop this leak. Wow. It's astounding, and that is ruining the value of the homes in that area. Uh, it's not a wine region. It's near L.A. Uh, it's it's destroying the region's reputation for decades. Uh, wow. And so that's being stored underground, that gas. Billions of cubic feet of it, just like they want to do in the Finger Lakes. And they've chosen these former salt caverns in the Finger Lakes. Now, salt cavern storage of gas is is not unknown, but it's often happening in salt caverns that are uniform. They're all salt. Okay. Very deep, but but the sides are all salt. In the Finger Lakes, the salt layers that they are mined into over 100 years, salt mining has been going on for, for a long time, those are, are layered with shale, and they're not uniform. And the, the mining's been done by solution mining, so they dump water down into this hole in the ground, it dissolves the salt, some of it. They pump it back out, evaporate it. They've got salt. Yeah, it makes sense. So no one ever goes down there. They, they don't... Uh, they've never gone down there, I think. It would probably be deadly to go down there. Sure. Um, and so we've, there are, are, there's fairly good evidence that there are caverns that have collapsed. Uh, these, these, are, these were never constructed to hold gas. And so... You've got Watkins Glen that's 2.2 miles downhill from this facility. Uh, Crestwood Energy wants to expand. And the uh, the risks are tremendous to destroy the Finger Lakes brand and become Aliso Canyon of New York State, hmm. which is, is the kiss of death. I mean, who's going to invest in Aliso Canyon for the next 100 years? Right. The reputation is 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 gone. The wineries and and uh, all kinds of families for generations have been building the Finger Lakes brand. And gas can be stored in a lot of different ways in a lot of different places. It is it's not essential that it be in the Finger Lakes. It's just it's cheap and convenient for this Texas company, which has really no vested interest in the region. If something goes wrong, they're probably going to go bankrupt, and we're stuck with it. Or they'll go back to Texas. Right. There's there's no major major downside for they them to be here. They don't care. No. I mean, you know, obviously they're they're not they're going to try not to have an accident. They're going to try to do a good job. But you know, you look at if you read about Aliso Canyon, you'll see that there are um, they made some mistakes. They skimped on some maintenance, and and now they're screwed. They are just totally screwed. They can't stop this leak, and the Finger Lakes. Uh, there, there's no reason to take these risks. Because I mean, from what I'd read, it doesn't seem like there's that much financial upside for the region. Really, there's no, there's no job creation. There's no wait. Oh yes, eight jobs. <laughs> <laughs> really, when I read that first, I thought, it's got to be a typo. They're, yeah. they're not really promoting the fact that there'll be eight jobs because 
That's such a ridiculously small number. I mean, you'd promote 80 jobs. Yeah, but even then... 800 jobs. Right, even then, 8 or 80 or even 800 is such a large risk for the amount of job creation that's in the future of the Finger Lakes region. Yeah, I mean, 8 jobs is just is just ridiculous and and it's for an industry that's frankly in its sunset yeah we cannot afford to continue burning fossil fuels so 20 30 years from now what's the future of this gas storage nothing it's it's uh uh you know we're, we're we'll have transitioned to substantially by then we have to uh there's no future in it why are we risking it why isn't Governor Cuomo or Gillibrand or Schumer taking a position on it? That's a really good question. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, clearly, it's not in their political interest to do so. Um, yeah. And you have, uh, like, 31 municipalities have voted against gas storage. Represents about a million, 200,000 people. And yet, our governor and our two U.S. senators haven't said a word. Not a word in this six-year battle. It's, uh, you know, I, I guess it's it's gas and oil money contributions that are keeping them silent because yeah. it's certainly not the fact that they represent a Texas company because they don't. Right. Uh, except that company has now bought U.S. Salt and is is uh, has operations here. So uh, it's, it's mysterious, it's frustrating, and the... The wineries, the breweries, the businesses around Seneca Lake and around the entire Finger Lakes are spending an enormous amount of energy and dollars to fight this. They could be spending building their businesses. They're taking time away from their businesses. I'm taking time away from from promoting the Finger Lakes in a positive sense by fighting this battle that shouldn't need to be fought. Right. The decision is obvious. The politicians don't have the guts to say anything yeah. or to do anything. So uh, we are SenecaLake.com. They, they've started uh, protesting the gas storage uh, a year ago, year, a couple months ago, October 2014. And I'll try and keep this short, but there's no, two kinds ahead. of gas that are in this gas storage, which complicates things. Uh, one of them is natural gas, and that's regulated by the U.S. government. The other is LPG, or propane, that's regulated by New York State. So there's two different types of gas, two different systems of regulation. Right now we're waiting for the DEC, the New York State DEC, to uh, rule a, regarding LPG storage. 88 million gallons of, of LPG. Um, and wow. by the way, that's, that's 56,000 times the LPG that leveled a hospital in Mexico City. In an accident last wow. year, uh, that's an that's an astounding amount, really. So, we still have the potential for New York State Governor Cuomo and the DEC to decide against LPG storage in Watkins Glen, above Watkins Glen. The protest started because the U.S. government rubber stamped uh, natural gas expansion and storage there. Uh, from 1.5 billion cubic feet to 2 billion cubic feet. And because New York State and uh, there, there, were no, there was no more legal recourse, 
they started putting their bodies in front of the gates to stop trucks at Crestwood Energy. And 450 people have been arrested since uh, in the last 15 months. Wow. Uh, so, I, I remember seeing that pop up when it um, when it first started. You know, they got got a little bit of there's been very little coverage. Yeah, I think it got a little Rochester. bit of press at the time. Um, but 450 people arrested—that's a lot. It really is. And uh, and but they've but they've kept it to uh, occasional. Uh, by the way, Santa Claus was arrested too twice. I'm seeing that. I pulled up the website. Yeah. I'm seeing and the Grinch. I, I see Santa and the Grinch. That was cute. Yeah, <laughs> that was cute. So Santa Claus protecting our our world and protecting uh, Seneca Lake. But and the Grinch's heart grew two sizes that day. <laughs> uh, so they, they've had some creative protests there, including, I thought, well, the most creative one was to have a solar energy company set up a recruiting booth at the gates of Crestwood <laughs> because they're hiring like 70 people. And, and frankly, I'd rather work in the solar industry than the natural gas storage industry. Seems like a lot of potential right now. And, a lot and, of potential. It's exciting. So they were hiring. You know, they were. They had applications there at the gates of Crestwood. Um, That's great. Which is, you know, we don't need an industrial zone on Seneca Lake. And the only way that this is going to be stopped is probably with people uh, who just refuse to let this happen and refuse to let the government rubber stamp what the fossil fuel industry wants to do, yeah. which is what happened in this case because the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Um, has approved, I think, every single pipeline and gas storage project in the last uh, several years, like 2,000 of them. They, they've approved them all. Hmm. So the fact they approved this is no surprise. Uh, there's been a lot of protests in, in Washington, D.C. against FERC because of this, because other people are ticked off, too, around the country. So you know, we're, we're at a juncture where we got to decide whether fossil fuels are our future whether we want to invest in that infrastructure. And one suggestion I had was for Crestwood, which their stock price is is plummeting, down 75% in the last year. Wow. That's not a good investment. No, certainly not. Instead of gas storage, why don't they spend the $40 million that they're planning to put into designing the, the whole infrastructure for gas storage into solar panels? Produce energy for the next fifty years on that six hundred acres that they have, and their investors might actually make money. Yeah, and also you're you're aiding a region at that point too. You're 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 helping to provide energy for an area that's largely going towards that direction, anyways. I know a lot of a lot of the wineries are going towards a sustainable uh, use of solar energy to power their facilities. Yeah, ten percent added substantial solar in two thousand fifteen. That's a huge so, amount. I mean, it, for yeah. in one year, for ten percent to to jump into that, it is. Um, and some of them are substantial systems. Wagner put in two hundred and fifty kilowatts. Wow! And and that is, I was talking to someone uh, who who deals in energy, and and they 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 said, "Wow, really? That much?" They didn't realize the scale of some of these systems. So there's about a megawatt of solar power now at the wineries <clears throat> uh, in the Finger Lakes, and there's a lot more to come. So we, one kind of cool thing to think about for the future of the Finger Lakes is that we could become the first uh, renewable energy-powered wine region in the world. And uh, I say that because we are 
we're small enough that it's possible. California is too big. Yeah. Napa, Napa is not going to. I mean, they have more sun than we do, but but just the scale. The scale is too big yeah. for Napa. Uh, we're also we're big enough that the wineries can can afford investments that smaller wine regions can't. Uh, we're established enough, and so we don't need every single winery to a, you know in, install solar. But if the a- on average, uh, the wineries install enough th- to cover, you know, the 130. We would we would become the first solar powered wine region in the world. That's pretty cool, and it's doable uh, in the Finger Lakes, and it, it sends a message to the world. It's uh, it's a, a very positive message, and frankly, you know, banks are loaning money to the wineries to put these systems in because it's a, it's a good investment. What's going to happen to the solar panels? I mean, they're they're not moving parts, right? And it's like a six-year payoff for the capital investment. Yeah, it's only getting only getting uh, shorter and shorter. And time then your frame. energy is free. Yeah. For the next, I, they're guaranteed for twenty-five years. I think they're expected to go forty, yeah. thirty-five or forty. So, oh, it's it's a great investment for you know banks like those kinds of secure investments. Yeah. Um, so the, there's, it's an exciting time in the Finger Lakes. We just got to shut down this, this uh, Crestwood thing. And, and it really does bother me that we have to spend so much effort fighting this. Yeah, because contentious, whether it's, whether it's infighting, whether it's fighting against a you know, common opponent, it, it, it doesn't benefit the people when the people are all on one s- Well, I suppose, I guess that's the other question. You know, obviously, you feel passionately on this side. There's obviously an opposing side, as as you mentioned. You've gotten emails and conversations from the other side too. Yeah, actually, I mean, just like two. Yeah, uh, but but there are a, a substantial number of people who uh, believe either that Crestwood shouldn't be told what to do, mm-hmm. sort of a libertarian point of view. The, they own the land; they can do what they want there. Um, given the risks of what they're doing, I, I can't. I can't see how people follow that line of reasoning, but but that is one line of reasoning. Right. And then the town of Reading has actually not taken a position on this. That's where the Crestwood plant is located. Okay. And they just, in the election, uh, pro-gas storage supervisor was elected to replace the pro-gas supervisor that left. Um. But the town of Reading is tiny. You know, you know how many people elected this guy? How many total? Three hundred and fifty votes. Oh come on! And he won. He won by like a hundred votes. I mean, this is this is a a small place, and it and, could have that much impact. Right, and and you know, Crestwood employs one hundred and ten people there. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to vote for their company. I mean, right. I, I don't blame them for that. That's you know, if I if I worked there, I, I probably would too. You're not going to vote against your future. Although, I, I'm not sure, given their their stock price, how much of a future those employees have. Uh, that company is in serious trouble. Mm. But you know, it, it shouldn't surprise anyone that the, that the town of Reading is has has a lot of people in favor. Well, a lot of you know, 350 people in favor of 
gas storage. Schuyler County voted for it, uh, and you know the head of Schuyler County is uh, has worked with the gas industry, has his own engineering business for the last thirty years, uh, working with hydrofracking in Pennsylvania. <laughs> he sold the business to his brother a year ago, or a year before the vote, of course, and said he's unbiased. Obviously, Dennis Fagan. Yeah, complete, completely unbiased. I mean, that's what a year will do for the you. The stories that people spin, <laughs> the, and the small town politics is just—it's uh, hard to believe. Yeah. Someday, some some good books will be written about this. I but, would have to imagine. But anyway, I, I, you know, a lot of people spoke at those Schuyler County meetings. I spoke there, um, and uh, they still voted uh, that they want gas storage. And in spite of the fact that Schuyler County is the county where Hobbs, Selbach, and Louis Barol have all invested. Yeah. So you're you're a Schuyler County legislator, and you're looking at the best winemakers in the world on one side of the lake, the east side, and fossil fuel industry uh, on the, on the other side, and you're you're voting for the fossil fuel industry. Right? Yeah, trying trying to think they're trying to make everybody get along, but it just can't work that way. No, and it, well, it was a five to three vote, and and again, fascinating to watch small town politics. Yeah, I mean, large city politics are also equally discouraging, <laughs> but um, it's uh, yeah. So uh, Schuyler County nominally for this. Given given those legislators, five to three, uh, the town of Reading, the town board won't say anything about this publicly, but they they uh, you know their supervisors in favor of it, and so there are people in favor of it, and in fact Crestwood has said, you know there's thousands of people who want to see this happen, and and most of them are truckers and pipeline operators and sure. you know businesses that uh, are, work with them, so yeah. that makes sense. Looks out for their own self-interest, yeah. But that's where we need someone like the governor to say, what's in the best interest of New York State? What This this economic engine of the Finger Lakes is just beginning to grow. In 2012, it was probably a, a billion and a half. It's probably doubled that now yeah. in the last three years. And it's the curve's going up. It seems so clear, and yet it's something that... We can't get Cuomo to, to say a word on, but I will say that the new DEC commissioner uh, is is a very positive sign. Uh, Basil Sagos is the, the only person in the Cuomo administration really that the wineries have met with. Yeah, and it happened to be him that was nominated, uh, and and he's he's worked with River Keepers in the past. He has, uh, you know, shown an interesting environment in his previous work, so uh, that's a good sign. Uh-huh. But you know, it's again. Uh, I, I wish we didn't have to spend all these resources. And if the DEC has uh, decides to have an issues conference, which is a possibility to hash all this out, there's going to be a couple million bucks spent doing that. Absolutely, bringing in the experts, and luckily. Uh, several organizations, Gas Free Seneca and the the municipalities, also have uh, uh, connected with. Uh, they've, they've got organizations that are providing pro bono lawyers. So Earth Justice has probably provided a few hundred thousand dollars in 
in legal representation to Gas Free Seneca, and uh, the Natural Resources Defense Councils provided uh, uh, a lot to the municipalities. Without those two organizations assisting, this uh, may well have been a done deal. Right, and like you said, what what a shame that they had to they have to spend those resources instead yeah. of something positive. So, where where can people go to find more information and either you know sign petitions or get involved with this whole thing? So maybe it goes on your bucket list for 2016. I'm I'm going to be arrested for civil disobedience for a, <laughs> for a great cause. Uh, so wearesenecalake.com is the organization behind the protests to stop the natural gas expansion, which has the go-ahead now from the federal government. Uh, and gasfreeseneca.com is the organization that's fighting the legal battle in the courts and with the DEC to stop the LPG expansion. Uh, both those organizations are, are really doing some amazing work. And not to get off onto another whole hour of, of, of discussion, <laughs> but the, just last night I was at a meeting in Seneca Falls about the trash trains that uh, Mayor de Blasio wants to send to the landfill in Seneca Falls. So with the beautiful name Seneca Meadows, it is the largest landfill in New York State, and they've got this contract they're hoping to get signed, de Blasio does, to send $3.3 billion worth of trash from New York City <laughs> by train through the communities of the Finger Lakes to Seneca Falls, which is about two miles upwind of the National Women's Hall of Fame and the <laughs> National Women's Rights wow. uh, National Park. And, and and this is actually fairly close to being a done deal. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that this gas storage thing is is the landfill's worst nightmare because it is organized, the Finger Lakes, the municipalities are more organized, Gas Free Seneca, We Are Seneca Lake are both pretty organized and can help fight this battle against trashing the Finger Lakes, literally with New York City trash. Wow. Because it's cheap and convenient. Now, have, have you ever taken exit 41 off the thruway th down to, it's the Waterloo exit to Seneca Falls Waterloo and driven by the landfill? Uh, no, I'm not sure if I have. The people from Rochester generally don't because it's yeah. not an efficient way to go to the Finger Lakes. Right, right. But everyone from Boston, from New England, uh, from the East Coast, Northeast, uh, that's the exit they take. That's their convenient exit. They will drive within a few hundred feet of the largest landfill in New York State, towering 328 feet above them. That's their, that's their gateway to the Finger Lakes. That's about to quadruple in size. Oh, wow. And so you can smell the landfill while you're driving on the thruway near exit 41. Even though it's, it's like two miles south of you, you can smell it on the thruway. It's the most disgusting entryway to wine, uh, wine country anywhere in the world. Right. I, I would not, I might even turn around. If I was coming from Boston and I'm driving by this landfill, I'm thinking, Finger Lakes? Uh, hell, I'm going to Hudson Valley. I mean, it, I was there, I, I drove by last night. It was like 10 degrees. It smelled horrible. Imagine what it smells like at ninety degrees. Well, I can't imagine just the heat generated from the from the you know the act of composting happening there. It's it's 
crazy. Yeah. So you got Seneca Lake with trash at the north end and gas on the south end, and uh, both of them are are going to be huge battles that shouldn't shouldn't have to happen. Yeah, I mean the you know just the, the I mean that brings to the whole sub talk about you know what New York City does with their with their garbage, and th- there was a whole discussion. I, I forget where I listened to it. It might have been Planet Money or This American Life, where they talked about how many European cities of larger um, larger European cities uh, incinerate their trash in a very efficient, um, ecologically friendly, and actually power-efficient way where they actually generate power from it. Um, but New York, it's another one of those, oh, we don't want that facility in our backyard. We don't want that in our New York area. Instead, now they're sending their trash to our um, ecological tourist destination instead of doing what the rest of the world does but yeah and anyways people, <laughs> people have said about gas storage too that you know we're just nimbies not in my backyard yeah but the reality is that the economic driver of the finger lakes wine industry is worth a lot to new york state and this is it's not about our backyard it's about the finger lakes uh potential right it's a risk which, to reward proposition yeah and you know you can you can put trash in other landfills. You can put gas in other storage. These aren't the only two places on the East Coast that you can do these things. Right. And uh, if the Finger Lakes is going to see its potential as a world class wine region, the landfill has to be shut down. The gas storage has to be shut down, and we need to move forward. It has so, to be treated like it. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I don't. It's uh, we're lucky that these international investors have come at this time because it raises the stakes for the governor and for Gillibrand and Schumer to think more about what they really want to do. Um, but but politicians at, at all levels don't seem to be able to make the tough decisions. Mm. You know, and they're, they're going to get sued. You know, so Cuomo decides gas storage uh, expansion can't happen. Crestwood's going to sue him. Uh, so does Governor Cuomo want to be sued by a Texas company for supporting his own people? Or does Governor Cuomo want to be sued by the people of New York State for protecting a Texas company? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's which, seems... which looks better? Which which is the one you wanted which is the one you want to stake your reputation on? Yeah. You know, is. do you want to do you want to defend defend your defend the middle of your state or do you want to support your support the out of state natural gas company. Yeah, it's it's uh, it seems like a clear decision to to all of us, perhaps, but him. Huh. Um, so 2016 is going to be a I think a, a very interesting year. Likely, the DEC will make some sort of decision either way, and that will either be uh, you know, all hell's going to break loose if they decide well, no problem, go ahead with it. Yeah, or uh, you know we got to stop it. Uh, we're not going to allow LPG expansion, and then, and then we got to stop the the natural gas expansion. So, um, well, it's a fast, it's a fascinating topic, and I'm glad you were able to give us some information on that because it's the more the more you hear about it, the more you're just dumbfounded by the whole proposition. No, in a positive uh, line of of of, of uh, discussion, uh, coming up here early in, in January 2016. 
is the first big wine competition of the year, which is the San Francisco Chronicle uh, competition, one of the largest in, in, the, in the year. And uh, the Finger Lakes has entered for many years, but uh, for the last six years, the Finger Lakes has won best white wine. And that's astounding, given there's just a few California wineries. Well, there's like 4,000 of them. But they are, <laughs> you know, uh, many of them enter this competition. It's a prestigious competition. San Francisco Chronicle uh, is a renowned competition. And, you know, for the Finger Lakes to win once, that's amazing. That's a landmark thing, yeah. That's tremendous. To win twice, wow, that's uh, incredible. To win three times, unbelievable. That, that you know, three times in six years—that's crazy to to contemplate. Especially the proximity and f- proximity and familiarity that everybody there has with the wines in their own backyard. Yeah, especially that, and and the amount of money that those California wineries spend on winemakers on equipment. I mean, those are some very well-funded wineries there in California. You know, a lot of Silicon Valley money there, uh, Hollywood money there. You know, Francis Ford Coppola. Places like that, and these two little finger—it's only the the uh, uh, so four times in six years the Finger Lakes has gotten best white wine, twice for Gewurztraminer, twice for Riesling, which is even more interesting because one would have assumed it might have been only Riesling, and two of those years it was Dr. Frank, uh, two of those years it was Cuca Spring, which is uh, on Cuca Lake, and. Uh, Actually, the owners, uh, Kodak retiree, they still live in Rochester. Uh, the Wiltbergers, Judy and Len Wiltberger. So four out of six years, best white wine. There's got to be some California winemakers just ticked as hell at the judges. <laughs> like, what do we have to do? now? And strangely, I, I looked at the two years the Finger Lakes didn't win. Mm-hmm. And one of those two years, uh, Dr. Frank's Gruner Veltliner was in the sweepstakes, the final round. Uh, and and could have won. I mean, that's that's a really good wine. It was in the running for best white wine. And the sixth year Swedish Hill out of Velvin Muscat that was in the sweepstakes round, less likely to win, but but possible. So we weren't that far off from winning six out of six last. Uh, and so that competition is uh, is this week uh, going on uh, early January. So look up San Francisco Chronicle Wine Competition 2016 and see. The Finger Lakes took five out of seven. That that would be just bizarre. Yeah, but but it's possible. It's amazing stuff. So that's what I'll be following this week. Yeah, I like I like that positive, and I'll add on a little bit of an odd note. So one of one of the, my friends that I went to high school with um, married a girl, and I believe you're familiar with her father, um, Emil Nymander. Yeah, that's right. One of my one of my good friends from high school just moved back to the area, and uh, his wife is that's uh, his daughter Amelia. Yeah. Yep, who I've you know, I've known for years now, and they just moved back to the area, and she's a doctor, I think. Yeah, and she she's mentioned uh, she's mentioned you and uh, you know the relationship you had with her with her father as he ran restaurants uh, all around the uh, all around the area. I have fond memories of her as a probably eight nine year old in their restaurant, the Cornhill Cookery. Uh, which is where Panzari's is now in Cornhill. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, he's, he's his uh, mocha creme brulee, his uh, uh, 
So it was, it was a bread cheese soup that was his, like his, you know, his, his uh, house soup. And uh, really, Emil has an amazing wine palate. Uh, he I, he could be a master sommelier. I don't, I don't know if he'll take those uh, those exams <laughs> um, at his advanced age. And I don't know. He's he's. Uh, similar in age to to my advanced age, um, <laughs> but one of one of the the most fascinating chefs that uh, that I've run into, and uh, he and his wife Wanda, two of the nicest people. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I followed him. He had Pleasant Beach Hotel for for a number of years. I was just an hour from Rochester, and then he was uh, cooking at uh, Jack's place, I think it was in Oswego. So he's sort of moved further east. But uh, I think they still live in Fairhaven, and uh, I'd, I'd love for him to open a restaurant. Uh, he's been doing some cooking for the winery up there, uh, Kolika Estates, I think okay. it is. It's a new winery on, on the, the west side of Fairhaven Bay, Little Sodas. Maybe it's Little Sodas Bay, it's called, actually, where Fairhaven's located. Mm. Um, but if you should uh, go up in in uh, early May because uh, sort of on the gardening side of things, Fairhaven has these marsh marigolds that bloom in the woods along the road. Huh. Acres of yellow carpet in the woods. Really? For, it's like three or four days in the spring. In in, uh, early, mid-May, depending on the year. And it's just, it's just stunning. Uh, And then you got to go to the Fly by Night Cookie Company that's there. Ever been there? No, I haven't. That's uh, a fascinating little place that's on the other side of the bay. It's on on the, the east side of the bay. And there's Fairhaven State Park. There's a gorgeous state park there, too. But the Fly by Night Cookie Company does, uh, that's Bonnie, who uh, uh, is, is one of those characters I mentioned, uh, you know, independent local businesses. She's, right. she's amazing. Uh, fabulous cookies, about 40 or 50 different kinds available in her <laughs> In her living room, basically, that's now the, the shop, and then on one wall she's got this miniatures wall. It's like, it's sort of like dollhouse wall of mystical miniatures, and <laughs> it's nothing to do with cookies. No, of course not. Um, but that's she's has some fascination with that, and it, it looks keeps kids fascinated for a long time. And then she she also does some pies and pastries and if and if you're ever there she's taking pastries out of the oven. The, and really you should put any pastry in a in a toaster oven anyway to make it taste like it's right out of the oven. But I I, I stopped there on my way to Oswego to see Emil, and uh, she pulled these rhubarb tarts out of the oven. Oh. And and I got two of them and I'm driving to Oswego, thinking, man, I should have bought all of them. <laughs> what was I thinking? I only bought two of these because they're so good. Yeah, and and I almost turned around and went back, you know, like half an hour out of my way to get the other four rhubarb pastries. That's fantastic. That's what food crazy people do, right? I've I've done I've done weirder, and yeah. I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> so if if she has pastries, uh, you should you should get a couple. But Fly by Night Cookie Company. Uh, limited hours, if at all, during the winter. Yeah. Uh, and it used to be that she would take her dogs out for a walk in the park, in the state park, and she'd be, the house would be empty. She'd be gone. 
and she have a little jar where you could put your money and serve yourself and make your own change and you know leave the money that's in the great. jar. That's great. That's I think she has someone who helps her now than, and actually has a cash register. But um, you know that was just a few years ago, and it, it really felt like uh, the old days, maybe. Of that's that's such a uh, small town, neighborhood old thing to do. Yeah, town. yeah, absolutely. It was it was a cool feeling, and uh, and some some really good cookies. Hey, by the way, can't argue against that. And she usually has coffee on her porch. The the um, posts have been carved by her son, who's a wood carver, into gargoyles and stuff, and it's just. It's just a house, small house, but, and then she has this little, this little <laughs> shed in back. You have to walk through her garden. Yeah. That's a book nook where she's got used books you can buy for ten cents or something. That's great. Um, it's it's those little places like that 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 really uh, uh, keep me going, you know, and looking for places like that. That kind of uniqueness, it's yeah. it's hard to find sometimes. Right, and everyone has their own. Their own tastes, uh, but but that's why you know listeners email me places like that or or call me and uh, you know we we have a lot of them. We they're do just hard we to do. find unless yeah they're all, they're almost all off the beaten path. They're on yeah you know they're they're in small towns. They're in areas that are a little less traveled. So Fairhaven is a lot less traveled. <laughs> I think they used to have rum runner uh, boats that would go over to Canada in the, you know, the good old days. Of oh, Prohibition. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, but other than that, it's it's a quiet place. Yeah. Um, All right, man. I think we've done it. Very I'm, good. I'm really happy you came over. I've been meaning to catch up with you for a while, and this was a good excuse to do so. So let's get the plugs out again. So, Michael Warren Thomas, where can people find you? You look me up on Facebook. Uh, luckily, no other Michael Warren Thomases out there that I found yet. And uh, uh, my website, saverlife.com. You can find archives for the shows. You can find interviews like the one with Hobbs and Selbach. Uh, and uh, you can email me through the website. And you know, Saturday, Sunday mornings, if you want to catch the live show and call in, it's 9 to noon Saturday, 9 to 11 Sunday, WYSL 1040 AM and 92.1 FM. Uh, independent station. Independent broadcaster, independent sponsors. I call it a, a chain of independence. Yeah. And uh, you, if you're like me and you don't listen to anything live anymore, you can subscribe to any of the individual shows as podcasts uh, by searching for that, uh, I think, maybe on iTunes or other ways, but I know I've subscribed that way. So that's yeah. the way I get the show. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad you found it there. Absolutely. It's uh, you know, the uh, the technical revolution. Uh, I've I've still got to get on Twitter and and uh, that's my my goal for 2016 is to to uh, to join Twitter. All right, let's work on that, man. <laughs> All right. So thanks for coming over. Thank and, you, Chris. Uh, talk to you soon. Thank you.